The views expressed on this show by guests and the hosts on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Welcome to 9-11 Freefall. I'm the host, Andy Steele. Today we're joined by Matt Campbell and Henry Young. Matt Campbell is the brother of Jeff Campbell, who died in the North Tower on September 11th. He's joined by Henry, who is a friend of Jeff. Today they submitted the application for the Campbell family's inquest to re-examine Jeff's murder, and they'll be talking about that. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Andy. Hello, hi. So today, as I said, they took the next step in seeking justice for Jeff Campbell. We're going to be hearing all about that and their experience. But first, because it's his first time here on the show, I want to learn more about Henry. So Henry, please tell us about yourself and also tell us about your times with Jeff before September 11th. Okay, hi. So um, Matt and I are old business partners. We've, we ran a business uh, together, which we founded in 1999, uh, which was working in um, financial technology and IT. And a lot of our customers were international investment banks who had a, a office not only in the city of London, where we were based, but also in New York. So our business naturally took us to New York quite a lot. And um, we were interested in setting up a New York office because that would make much more sense than constantly flying over and uh, putting up in hotels. And uh, Matt's brother, Jeff Campbell, uh, was working for uh, Reuters at the time, um, working on um, uh, risk technology uh, systems, and uh, he was quite interested in uh, becoming our um, the cornerstone of our U.S. office, along with his then-girlfriend, uh, Caroline, who was uh, going to be working in sales for us. So uh, I met up with Jeff um, a couple of times in the lead-up to this because I was quite frequently uh, flying over to New York, and uh, we were having discussions about getting this all going. And... Um, Part of the um, part of the thing we were trying to do is to start getting Jeff involved in our niche little world, and that meant you know meeting up with customers and uh, going to industry conferences and the like, um, and that was all in the immediate lead up to uh, to nine eleven. We were sort of intensely in these discussions about how to structure the business and get it up and running so that Jeff would feel comfortable with leaving his employment and um, and setting up shop for us. I love to feature the lives that were lost that day. You know, For a lot of people, we watched this event happen on television. Of course, we were horrified by what we were seeing. And then we get a number of victims given to us, a toll. We look at that number, and over time, it becomes easy to just, you know, see this as an overall number and not think about the fact that 
every single person, every single soul that composed that number had dreams, ambitions, things going on, entire stories that made up who they were. And they were lost in a single instant, in a single morning on that day. So that is why I always ask these questions. I always want to learn more about these people. And uh, I've learned a lot about Bobby McIlvain through talking to Bob and uh, from just overall interviews and, and whatnot that he's done. And uh, learning more about Jeff here today. Henry, tell us about your experience on 9-11. How did you hear the news uh, and then how did you hear about Jeff and what happened? Yeah, so I was working in the office in London uh, on that day. Uh, Matt was on holiday, on vacation. Um, and um, I'd actually myself been registered to attend that conference. And originally it was planned that I would be in New York attending that conference. Um, and then in the days prior uh, to 9-11, uh, we had one of our New York customers um, have a, a severe problem with their trading room, and uh, that needed one of my colleagues, who is a, an expert in the particular uh, aspect of their system they were having trouble with. One of my colleagues had to fly out. Um, and so we decided, well, I'll stay in London. He can go out to New York, do what he needs to do there. So we got in a guy called Nick, I won't give his full name, registered to uh, attend the conference. And he was going to go in my place along with Jeff. And uh, what ended up happening on the morning of 9-11 is that Nick got uh, urgently called into the customer's office in Midtown, uh, which prevented him, effectively prevented him from uh, attending the conference. Um, I was exchanging a few emails with Jeff again around, you know, planning our New York office setup, and um, actually uh, received what might have been the last email Jeff sent, which effectively ended saying, "Got to go, Henry. Otherwise, I'll be late for the conference." Um, and then later that day. We had the TV on in the corner of the office. Um, there was actually a, a US-based visitor who was over having a meeting with, uh, with some of my colleagues. And uh, one of the guys out in the open plan part of the office draws our attention to what's on the TV. And we see the uh, live coverage of uh, or I guess it wasn't literally live, but, um, uh, you know, recorded coverage of um, planes hitting the, the, the first plane hitting the first tower. Um, I, I guess that must have been kind of, if someone incidentally had a camera pointing in the right direction at the right time. Um, and this, uh, the, the thing that really sticks in my memory from that morning is this, this um, this guy over from New York who was visiting our office, big, tough, burly, muscly guy, looked like he was a you know ball player in college or something like that before he'd uh, moved on to uh, his uh, his work. He he ran over and to to look at what was going on on the TV and literally dissolved into tears, um, and that always stayed with me. Seeing this uh, big, tough guy. 
uh, brought to tears over what he saw happening. So that was, yeah, just remembering that uh, always uh, <laughs> temporarily erases my my mind. So uh, also the thing that um, that uh, was um, apparent, well, uh, you know, the conference that was being held run by Risk, Risk Waters, um, this was a, this is an organization that organized a few conferences each year, very, very specialist niche conferences in in our particular area of business. And we would always attend these conferences. Sometimes they're in New York, sometimes they're in London. So that meant I knew the staff at Risk Waters. I knew a lot of the people who were the conference organizers, um, and also, these conferences would always have a, a, an exhibition area where some some of the companies sponsoring the conference would be showing off their products and uh, meeting with conference delegates who came along. So I knew, I knew some of the staff. I knew some of the representatives from other customers who would be at this conference, and just the whole idea of what was going on was pretty overwhelming. So as I mentioned earlier, these two gentlemen took the next step into achieving justice for Jeff over in the UK. Matt, uh, remind our audience, because we're always picking up new people, new people waking up to the truth of 9-11 all the time, especially around this time of the year. Remind our audience what this inquest is all about and how you got started on this pursuit. So yeah, um, you know, my brother Jeff, he died. He's on the 106th floor of the North Tower. And um, very early on, um, I started to question um, certain aspects of the official narrative. And uh, in part, that was certainly led by um, Henry pushing me uh, various articles uh, and, and such like. I mean, as as early as um, end of October, early November 2001. Um, but o- over the years, and, and particularly in the last sort of decade, um, I guess I, I've been more focused on the manner in which um, Jeff died rather than, say, paper trail um, questions that I, that I had. Um, and it, for me, when, when Jeff had his original inquest, which is it's held in the UK when someone has died in suspicious circumstances, uh, if it's in the UK, it's fairly straightforward. If it's abroad, you have to have remains repatriated back to the UK to automatically trigger an inquest. So Jeff actually had that in uh january 2013 um it was a it was adjourned for a long time but that's because it was a joint inquest with nine other um victims uh, british victims and um so myself and my mother um didn't attend um and you know in some respects in in hindsight it's probably a good thing because i probably would have just got very frustrated and cross um in court but not knowing necessarily how to articulate or put forward um, the arguments, certainly that we've, we've managed to put together um, working with a barrister and, you know, closely with um, Ted Walter from, uh, from A&E. We, you know, we wouldn't be in the position we are right now to have that overwhelming uh, amount of uh, fresh evidence that was never considered at his first inquest, but also to, to show how there was an insufficiency of inquiry. Um, which is also another key um, aspect to uh, us putting forward the argument to the UK um, Attorney General in order to get him to grant his authority to reopen um, Jeff's inquest. That's right. And specifically what you are looking for is for uh, them to acknowledge that Jeff's death was as a result of the explosive demolition of World Trade Center 
one, which getting that into the legal record would be huge. It would be a big step towards achieving justice here in the United States, because it's already been acknowledged over in the UK. Uh, I also am looking at the press release that's uh, being submitted, and it says uh, that you've submitted the application to the senior coroner at the West London Coroner's Court, inviting him to consent to a fresh inquest. Would you please talk about that? Yeah, that, I mean, that's... Um, so the traditional route is through the Attorney General. They grant the authority um, or not. If they, do, if they do grant it, it goes to the High Court, and the High Court um, should then um, put it down to the Coroner's Court and it gets reopened. Um, we discovered a couple of, uh, well, I wouldn't say a couple of weeks ago, but you know, fairly recently, um, that there is actually an alternative route which um, actually expedites the whole process. Um, it would basically fast track our application so that um, the senior coroner at the West London Coroner's Court can actually make a decision on his own um, to accept that there is this abundance of new evidence pointing towards a, a, a different finding a different verdict and also the insufficiency of inquiry um, so much so that they can sign this consent order and it would open the inquest without um, any um, significant delay or having to go through the attorney general route um, but we have submitted both so it, um, the submission today has one's gone to the attorney general um, in the UK and the other submission has gone to the senior coroner so, yeah, that's something new, which uh, we hadn't considered before, with the consent order, that is. Right. And I want to add, too, this is not just Matt pursuing this. We have uh, his mother is also involved, your family. Uh, talk about your overall family's involvement as well. Yeah, so um, it's a joint. There's, there's several of us as applicants. So there's uh, my mother, uh, my father, uh, my brother, Rob, and there's also Jess' fiance, um, Caroline, are all applicants uh, to this uh, to get my brother's um, inquest reopened. Um, I'd say for a long time, um, my mum has known that I've, you know, harboured serious doubts about uh, a lot of what we were being told. Certainly in in more recent years, um, she's paid a lot more attention to, you know, the stuff that I was um, sending to her. Um, And and so, you know, I, I think as a family, I don't know. It's not closure is the wrong word, but, you know, you, you, I don't know how you can have full healing without knowing the full truth uh, about what's happened when someone has been murdered. Um, it's extremely hard to um, I, I speak more from my perspective, but, you know, I, I know it, it's to perhaps a lesser degree, but to all my family members um, that, you know, it's it's hard not knowing um, the truth. And um, it's, it's been very clear over the years that the, the um, authorities have made it hard for us to access that, that truth. And, um, and so, yeah, we're just very pleased that we've got to this, this stage. And although it's a stepping stone to, to, you know, obviously hopefully getting the evidence in court, um, you know, we, we do feel there's been a significant milestone achieved today. So talk about the step, Matt, that the both of you took today. So, um, I mean, today we basically um, collected and, and viewed for the first time the application, the full application in its entirety. That's, you know, down to covering letters, etc. And it's a it's approaching 3000 pages, the actual written part of the application that's being submitted. And there's certainly approaching probably double figures of hours of um, 
video footage um, that's been submitted for the Attorney General and the um, senior coroner to um, consider. And so today it was important for for me and our family to to be there together. Um, I mean, sadly, my father couldn't make it, but uh, you know, my, myself and my mum and my brother were there. Um, but but also Henry, you know, he's been part of this journey. He was there. He was the first one to to find out that that Jeff was in you know in the um, the conference in the towers, um, and and certainly for me was key for me kind of just waking up to to elements that were certainly not right what we were being told um and also ian who i met probably some ian henshaw this is who kind of loosely heads up uh, the re-investigate 9-11 um uh, group in the uk he's also an author of a, a book um you know he's been part of that journey for me as well um getting to the point we are now and we've submitted the um the application to the attorney general uh, and so it's just good for all of us to be there uh, and we spent a lot of time at the barristers um, before submitting uh, the uh, application to the two parties that I mentioned. Henry, talk about your decision to join Matt in this and your motivation specifically and your experience doing this today. Well, this this, this whole process is really all about Matt's family. Um, I'm really just, uh, I guess, um, I've been a, a witness to the process um, in, in part intentionally on Matt's part, I think, and just to be, be uh, you know, bear witness to the entire process, all the documentation that's been involved throughout, um, you know, to help out uh, proofreading and sanity checking to a degree as well. Um, everything that's um, occurred in the, the long drawn out process leading up to this. Um, you know, I've, I've stayed, uh, friends with Matt, you know, since, uh, since 9-11. So, um, you know, I'm not officially involved in this process, um, very much on the sidelines, but, uh, you know, certainly bearing witness to it, um, helping out where possible, um, and, uh, generally, um, supporting Matt in his endeavors been important to have uh, you know someone who i trust and oh. you know um they really want to, to help me through that yeah i understand that yeah i agree and sometimes i think some of the sideline work is the most important work i mean there's big steps that are taken but there's all these details that are involved especially with things like this you know legalistic matters and, and whatnot but just in any project the people that pay attention to the details that help out who lend the support i think are some of the biggest heroes, they certainly are for me, and all the projects that we do here at AE 9-11 Truth. And uh, every role is important in, in making anything happen. And uh, I want to thank you too, Henry, for helping Matt out with this. Now, the inquest has been talked about in the media in the UK. Matt, talk about your perception of that coverage. Um, I, I mean, it's been so busy today, I've, I've not actually read the article in, in detail. Um, my my feeling is, I mean, I'm glad it's been covered. Um, uh, if you're referring to the, the Daily Mail article in particular, I mean, Sue Reed's you know, probably one of the few journalists who has tried to, um, you know, at least get word out and document what we're trying to do as a family. Um, I, I felt that the article today was probably uh, a little bit top heavy on, uh, you know, conspiracy theory stuff, which is 
to me, I think it's really unfortunate, you know, particularly if you're looking at a historical case and I've, I've cited before, you know, Hillsborough and Bloody Sunday. If you've got family members 20, 25 years on, uh, on still fighting for stuff, so to call something a conspiracy theory to me is, you know, it's not um, it's not fair treatment. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if that's more editorial control and stuff that's gone into the article. Um, but to be honest, you know, uh, in the UK, um, there's so little coverage of of what I've been trying to do um, over the years. And that's not for want of trying. That's, you know, in, including, you know, hitting press lists, etc. It's You know, they certainly know um, that it's been um, our intention for some time now to to get to this stage to submit. Uh, a new, uh, you know, an application for a new inquest. Um, it, it'd be nicer to see it treated without using the word conspiracy theory, um, which you know is is ridiculous, really. Um, you know, but that, there it is. Um, but no, I've, I've not really had a chance to to look at that, or indeed any other press coverage. I'm not aware of any other that's come out. Um, you know, I'm hoping that maybe will change in the next few days. Uh, I have a few things lined up, um, and we'll see. Hopefully, they'll they'll come to um, some sort of bearing fruition, um, and you know, it will it will lead to perhaps more interest from from the mainstream. But you know, it's it's nothing new that they haven't really paid much attention. I do, however, think that you know they're going to have to address the elephant in the room at some point if this does actually go into court. Um, you know, they can't ignore it forever. I think it's worth emphasizing as well that although the press will always broaden the scope and provide some background uh, to a story and, and embellish it a bit, and um, uh, an inquest is a very, very simple, focused uh, thing, examining the cause of death of an individual. You know, the, the politics and the wider scope essentially is pretty irrelevant. This is about correctly determining the cause of death of an individual. Exactly. And I think that as we look at the science and we look at the evidence, anybody who puts all the politics and preconceived notions to the side will agree that there's a need for a new investigation and probably will come to the agreement that these buildings were brought down in controlled demolitions that day. Now, we're getting into the last five minutes of this show, and I really like to remind the people listening what this is all about. It's easy to lose sight of it in all of the minutia of projects and legal pursuits. Uh, so I'm going to ask, beginning with Henry and then Matt, to leave us an image of Jeff from your memories. What about him do each of you remember most, and what do you want our audience to know about him as we all prepare to stand behind you guys in this upcoming inquest? Um, so my memory of Jeff is, is a very happy, easygoing, open-minded, easy-to-get-on-with guy. I mean, I, I uh, literally met him two times, and, you know, he was the sort of guy that um, you warm to automatically because of his character. Matt? What's hard for me, uh, and I think this is probably true of anyone who's lost anyone, um, particularly if the time on this planet was, was cut short, is, you know, in time, your your very sharp memories of, um, you know, people do fade. And, and that, you know, saddens me, you know, his little funny faces he used to pull when he was, um, you know, telling the same joke for the 20th time, but actually it got better each time. And, you know, recalling little stories and stuff. I mean, he, he was a 
you know, a very intelligent, good-looking bloke who, you know, always had time for people, uh, enjoyed life. He had started out a new sort of chapter in his life by moving to the States and, and you know, for first time working for an actual company rather than just doing sort of consultancy and stuff. And he'd just gotten engaged, you know, three weeks before, um, you know, and, and had happily come back to the UK um, in August 2001 to, you know, announce his engagement and um, and to see that, that kind of future, um, you know, destroyed um, both for um, Caroline, but also obviously my brother is, it's hard looking back and then trying to remember those happy times. I've got, you know, tons of memories of, you know, when we were kids and when we used to go camping and, you know, and then teenage years and, and all the craziness through university years and, you know, becoming sort of young men and stuff. Um, and, and just, but, you know, you tend, for me, I remember all the good times and, and you know, a lot of Jess friends just say, you know, whenever they went out with him, they had a great night, whether they had, you know, hundreds of pounds in their pockets or just a few pence. It didn't matter. You had a laugh. And, you know, I miss I miss him for that. I miss him for his um, he had a lot of wisdom and he had a lot of time for people. And, you know, he'd always he was a good listener. And, you know, ironically, I think if it had been, say, myself or uh, Brother Rob who had died, you know, he would have played a, a massive role in in help. Because um, the way he would have been. We are going to be following this as we have been since this inquest process first started. Uh, we're going to be bringing you some other great episodes up into the lead up of the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Matt, you're taking a bold step, and there's a lot of people behind you, not just in your family, not just here at AE 911 Truth, but I think for everybody that died on that day. Uh, the justice we're pursuing in your case is through your brother's death, but as you know, so many other lives were lost and continue to be lost as a result of September 11th, even what we're seeing going on now in world events over in Afghanistan as a result of September 11th. So you are a hero in my book, and anybody involved with this inquest is a hero, and I want to thank you for doing it. And, of course, thank both of you for coming on 9-11 Free Fall today. It's a pleasure, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. This is Andy Steele. Have a great week. Good luck. <laughs>